Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsudliff.com. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sadaf Lodi, and here with me in the studio is Rafia Lodi. So this episode is everything you needed to know about vaginismus. It's a very, very important topic. So we're going to spend this episode just discussing that one topic. And as before, the first thing I want to make very clear is that I am not giving any type of religious or medical advice. So if you are having any medical issues, please speak with your medical provider. And if you have any questions regarding your religion, please speak with your neighborhood religious leader. And this is the Muslim Sex Podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman that talks about sex. Today we're talking about vaginismus. And uh, (laughs) as somebody had a wise man stated, (laughs) the pronunciation sounds... (laughs) similar to Christmas, but is not as fun. And uh, I think that that is very, very true. So, so vaginismus, um, Raf, I'm sure you're probably thinking, what is that? That was my first question. Like, what is vaginismus? All right. So it's, um, it's basically the body's response to something that it's anticipating as painful. So what happens is that we have the vulva, which is the external part of uh, female genitalia that a person can see. And the canal that is in the vulva is called the vagina. And oftentimes I think that people confuse the two, right? They consider everything on the outside, the vagina, and that's a misnomer. And that's something that, um, and even I, as a gynecologist, sometimes get sucked into that. But the true nomenclature or the wording for the external part of the female genitalia is called a vulva. And that canal, which connects the uterus and the cervix to the outside world, that that tube is called a vagina. And so what vaginismus is, is basically an involuntary contraction of the muscles that surround the vagina in anticipation of something that it thinks that it's going to, you know, the woman feels, right? The vagina is not thinking, (laughs) but it's it's the woman that feels like there's going to be pain. Pain involves in whatever she's about to do. So it could be, you know, say if it's placing a tampon in, or say if it's like a vaginal exam, or say that it's like a speculum exam, and, um, and of course, uh, penetration with sexual intercourse. Um, something that I see a lot is women in labor. And as you're going through childbirth, really, really anticipate pain when, say, the OB is about to check them to see how dilated they are. And women tend to really contract those muscles and anticipate a lot of pain. What we tell women Uh, that are in labor specifically, is just to take a deep breath and breathe so that we're able to check them and to see how far along they're dilated. Uh, I see that a lot actually in the office as well, where 
you know, I'm about to do a speculum exam and women anticipate a lot of pain. And so then those muscles will contract and, you know, the gynecologist or the healthcare provider, whoever is examining the patient is not even able to do an exam because those muscles contract and the patient anticipates a lot of pain. Are there any types of vaginismus? Yeah, so typically um, there's something called primary and then there's another different type called secondary. So the primary vaginismus is when a woman has always experienced pain and so she doesn't know anything different and she always you know, whether it's with an exam or with a penile intercourse or even a dilator, she may be anticipating pain. And so that's considered primary because she's never had any type of examination or intercourse that, or even a tampon placement, anything like that involving the vagina where she hasn't experienced pain. So that's considered primary. Uh, Secondary is one in which say that a woman um, has had intercourse before that was that she was fine with, you know, didn't have any problems or issues with in the past, but now all of a sudden she's developed this pain or where the muscles start to contract involuntarily. So that would be considered secondary. So that's secondary vaginismus. And sometimes that can happen. Say if a um, somebody has or is going through, for example, chemo where that uh, vagina starts to, you know, become thinner and that uh, the tube, you know, if it contracts um, and becomes smaller and what we consider atrophy, so something that gets smaller, Mm -hmm. right? And that can happen sometimes in, say, like uh, somebody that's gotten like radiation to that vagina or somebody that's had surgery, pelvic surgery, and so their vagina has become a little bit shorter. Mm. Uh, It can also happen, say, somebody's had like an infection that's never completely cleared up, for example, like say like a yeast infection or something like that. And so that vagina is irritated, and so that could cause pain. It could also be due to, say, like trauma, right? Or somebody that may have experienced uh, a rape or a sexual assault or um, something like that, where now they have those negative thoughts and feelings surrounding uh, intercourse or penetrative intercourse. And now their muscles tense up because they anticipate something very painful. So are there any symptoms of vaginismus? Well, you know, basically what happens is that the women will automatically notice that uh, their vagina tenses up. So, right, so they're about to either, you know, have an examination, whether it's that pelvic examination, if they're about to have intercourse. Um, So it is involuntary, right? So it's just something that happens, but a lot of it has to is psychological, right? So it's the anticipation, it's the fear that something is going to be very painful for the woman. And so that's why she starts to have that involuntary contraction. Um, The symptoms of it basically would be that upon penetration, whether it's with a tampon, a speculum, with the fingers, you know, for a vaginal exam, or with, you know, penile intercourse, that or dilator or anything like that, 
that those muscles automatically contract and uh, the woman experiences pain because those, right? So nothing can get through that vagina because those muscles tense up. Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of women tend to experience this, especially those that have had negative experiences in the past with intercourse or uh, those women that, for example, have never had intercourse, right? Mm -hmm. And so say it's like their first night um, and, you know, their wedding night or the first time they have intercourse. And because of perhaps some stories that they've heard from other women that, you know, sex the first time is going to be painful or, you know, they're not going to enjoy it or something like that, that they will then automatically you know, have those perceptions and thoughts in their head. And so then those muscles will tense up. And so it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So that they're already thinking that it's going to be painful. And of course it will be painful because those muscles have tensed up, right? So for women such that are experiencing that, you know, it's very difficult, right? So that those kind of thoughts and fears start to impact their life and they start to, you know, it starts to affect their self-esteem. It starts to affect their relationship with their partner. And, you know, oftentimes they feel really bad and, you know, perhaps they start to have a low uh, body image, right? So it starts to impact a lot of different facets of their life. Is there any type of cure or something they can do to prevent this from happening? Yeah. So oftentimes what we tell women is to, you know, actually what I will say, Roth, is that the biggest thing is to work on those thoughts, right? And those fears. I mean, there's lots of things that we can say that, oh yeah, you know, maybe do this or do that, or maybe try the Kegel exercises to improve like conscious control of those muscles so that get, you get used to penetration, right? And Kegels are exercises that they use to you know, strengthen up that pelvis, those those muscles in the pelvic diaphragm. Those are um, the muscles that those Kegel exercises tend to work. But I often find that for women that experience vaginismus or that have that, really the most important thing is working on the brain, right? Is working on those thoughts and seeing where they stem from. If it comes from a fear or something that they've experienced in the past, then it's so important to work through that and to work through, through those fears, right? And to kind of break them down and see where, you know, perhaps that patient needs therapy, right? Perhaps that patient needs to see a psychiatrist to work through all of that past trauma that they may be carrying with them through all these years, right? Mm -hmm. And so because of that trauma, they're not able to enjoy, say, you know, of what they might consider to be a fulfilling sexual relationship with their spouse, or even for that matter, just even have a speculum exam or to have a vaginal exam during, you know, labor and delivery, or to even put a tampon in, right? So all of those things, it's so important to just work through what it is that's causing that fear, right? And whether or not somebody else may think it's rational or irrational fear, it doesn't really matter. It's really about that person, that patient, and it's about what they've experienced and to work through that trauma so that they can get to that next point where they're able to, you know, slowly say they try like dilators, right? And slowly they start to work through 
all the issues that they might have and slowly allow their vagina to relax when something starts to penetrate it so that the muscles don't automatically tense up. And it's about retraining the brain. It's about teaching it that it's not going to be painful or that, you know, that they can overcome this and that they have full control. And I think that's one of the biggest things, right? A lot of times we have fear because we feel that things are out of our control. So, you know, it's the fear of the unknown. But when they realize that, you know, what they're going to experience, that that penetration um, is in their control, right? So perhaps they had trauma that they experienced before that was out of their control. But now you're putting that power back into that patient, right? With that patient. And so they're able to control whether or not they put something in or they don't, whether or not they allow um, you know, an exam to happen or whatever else, say, you know, they want to become really intimate with their spouse, right? But they have that ability to verbalize and say whether or not something feels good or something does not. And you can work through that, right? It may take weeks, it may take months, but knowing that there is a way that you can fix it if you desire, right? Like say some patients, right? They, they're just not interested. It's not something that's important to them and they don't want to work on it, then that's fine as well because that's their decision. But it's putting that power in that patient's hand so that they're able to make their own decision, right? And oftentimes women that experience this, and specifically I'm talking about, you know, uh, women from, it can be like, say, you know, anywhere that have had a bad experience or have been brought up thinking that, you know, sex is shameful or dirty or, you know, feel guilty about sex may also be experiencing these type of symptoms where the muscles contract involuntarily. So for this, for these women, it's so important to work slowly through their thoughts and their feelings so that you can get to a point where they may be able to, you know, have that penetrative intercourse. And like I said, it could take weeks or months, but if it's something that they desire, then, you know, it's important for them to know that there is a pathway to do that. And again, you know, working with a therapist, working with a coach, like a sex coach, um, you know, all of those things help. Starting out with dilators, you know, maybe starting out with some type of touch just on the outside of the vulva, you know, maybe even for some women, masturbation works, right? For some women, it's using dilators and slowly working up to the point where they're able to have intercourse, where they don't tighten up. And really, it has to do with working on their fears and what's causing it. So is there a specific way a doctor diagnoses this or the patient just has to tell the doctor, this is my fear? Yeah, so that's a good question. You know, it could be either. It could be that, you know, oftentimes we know as providers, right? So as we're seeing a patient, as we're trying to examine them automatically, you know, their, um, their legs will close up or, you know, they'll, they'll start to say, oh, I'm having pain and you haven't even touched them yet, right? So it's that anticipation, it's that fear mm-hmm. that it's going to be so painful, that the touch is going to be so painful that the women will automatically, their muscles will automatically contract. So they may not even say that they have this, right? They may not even know what this is, but 
the provider will know exactly what's going on because there's so much, they have so much anxiety and um, stress about their exams and so much uh, fear that it, it shows even without somebody, you know, talking about it or saying that they have this. Can they use, um, when they do have painful intercourse, can they use anything like lubricants or anything like that to kind of ease their pain? Yeah. So, you know, it definitely depends on like what type of pain that is, right? So is it pain just with initial penetration? Is it pain with like deep penetration? You know, that's really where it it boils down to. So if it's just even on entry, absolutely. You could definitely use lubrication and you could even use lubrication with, you know, deep penetration. But if a patient is not even able to get to that point, right? Mm -hmm. So if they're not even able to get to the point of even a little bit of penetration, because there's so much fear, Mm -hmm. the most important thing is to work on that fear, Mm -hmm. right? So that's, that's where like an open communication with your spouse comes in handy. Mm-hmm. And it's so important, right, to be able to discuss with your spouse and your partner your fears, your anxieties, and let them know what's going on, maybe the trauma that you've experienced, so that they can also help you mm-hmm. and slowly work with their their partner, their spouse, whatever, to help them ease into, you know, a relationship where they can be extremely intimate with their partner. But that's all, again, that's if they want to. But it's so important to be able to communicate um, with your spouse so that you can tell them. So a healthy lifestyle. Would exercise help too, just to kind of maybe relieve that stress, um, Yeah, get them to think about other things like you were saying? Right, absolutely. So, you know, because stress plays a huge part in this, in vaginismus, and really with most things related to intimacy and sexual intercourse, right? So decreased libido is also, your libido is also affected by stress, and it can decrease your libido if you're constantly stressed, right? So also being mindful. So mindfulness is huge, actually, when it comes to vaginismus and helping to, and part of the therapy uh, along with discussing with the therapist, you know, traumas is this mindfulness and what we consider cognitive behavioral therapy. So focusing on the moment, right? So just, you know, there's so many things going on in our heads all the time, but if we're able to calm our minds and just focus on what we're doing at that moment in that time, that also is very helpful for vaginismus. So definitely managing stress and managing what we're thinking about really helps with just the vaginismus, but also increasing arousal, increasing libido. Multiple studies have shown that mindfulness helps in all areas and especially in sexual relationships with their partners or with uh, spouses you know, mindfulness is huge. So yes, helping and treating stress makes a huge difference in treating something. So there isn't a medicine that they could take that would help them, a magic pill, you know, that would help them or nothing has been created just yet? No, I mean, you know, if you think that your anxiety, if a patient feels that her anxiety is so much Mm -hmm. with the thought, even just the thought of um, being intimate with somebody, 
then I suppose she could definitely take, you know, what we call an anxiolytic. So something that helps with the anxiety, definitely depression, right? So this type of um, condition, vaginismus, can also cause depression, right? So if you really want to become intimate with your partner, but you're not able to because you have vaginismus, then, you know, say you get into depression because you're not able to become intimate, then it becomes like this vicious cycle, right? And so then one kind of preys on the other and a patient is not able to get better. But, you know, in terms of like a magic pill, there isn't such a thing. I mean, if a patient has really bad anxiety, definitely get the treatment for that. You know, if a patient has really bad depression, it's important to get all of anything that affects your mental health yeah. will absolutely affect, you know, your intimate life. Mm -hmm. So if that is, you know, what's going on in your, in a patient's life, then it's so important to get that addressed and treated. And absolutely, that would definitely help. But just taking medication for the sake of taking medication just to help you relax. No, I don't think that that's really a good idea. I think the best thing is to work through whatever it is, right? Because if we don't work through the trauma, if we don't sit in that pain, that pain will never heal, mm -hmm. right? So I like the analogy of, you know, even when you cut yourself yeah. on your hand or something like that, um, there's a healing process. And after a while, you know, initially it hurts, but after a while that pain dulls and then you don't even realize that that pain was ever there, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So the same thing with any type of mental trauma or mental, you know, um, things that like, for example, vaginismus, right? So it's important to work through what our uh, fears are so that we're able to heal. Mm -hmm. And once we're able to heal, then we can move forward. Yeah. But there's nothing that's going to fast forward that healing, yeah. right? It's it's on us to work through that pain and to work on ourselves mm -hmm. so that we can move forward. Okay. So, you know, um, like we were talking about before, it's so important for people to realize that vaginismus is a treatable condition and that, you know, most of the patients that are able to get help and work through their fears and their anxieties are able to eventually relax and allow those muscles to relax so that they too, if they desire, right, if the patient desires, can experience a fulfilling sexual life if that's what the patient wants. Um, and it's so important though, if you're having vaginismus is always, always go to your doctor, your provider to make sure that there's nothing anatomical, right? So nothing like that's actually in the vagina that's causing pain, right? That's of course, first and foremost, you want to make sure there's nothing anatomical. You want to make sure there's no infection. There's nothing that, you know, you're missing that may be causing pain. So that's the very first thing that, you know, a person should do is always make sure there's nothing actually in the vagina that's causing pain, right? So once you've worked out all of those, say, anatomical causes that may be causing pain, then you can work on the psychological issues that may be resulting in the vaginismus, resulting in that involuntary contraction. Oftentimes, this condition, you know, will not require surgery. It's most of the time it has to do with working through, you know, our fears and what it is and it's just important to know that, you know, again, there's no quick fix. It's just about working through whatever it is that uh, may be causing those thoughts and feelings. So, yeah, I think it's an important topic to discuss. And I think that a lot of women...
feel shame because, you know, they have this condition and may not have the vocabulary for it and may not know what it is, but notice that it is affecting their relationship. And so it's important to be able to put, you know, a word to their condition so that they can go and seek help if, uh, if that's something that they want to do. And to know that it's, you know, it's, it's treatable and that there's nothing wrong with them, right? That they don't have to feel bad if this is happening. Yeah. So, Like people have, um, from different cultures who don't talk about sex may not even know that this even exists. And right. if, if they can talk to the doctor, then definitely this would be a step forward in healing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. Well, that is it. I think we are done here. And so it's been real and really intimate. And remember, this is not meant to be any type of medical advice. So if you're having any issues with, say, something such as vaginismus, please go ahead and see your healthcare provider for any and all concerns that you might have. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsadaf.com. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast.